0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hello, this is Aaronx. And welcome to the second episode where we look exclusively at the growing interest in wind propulsion in the shipping industry. Aronax is a podcast powered by Fathom World and hosted by me, Craig Eason, a former seafarer and broadcast journalist. And the podcast looks at the issues facing the changing shipping and maritime space. Now, in our last episode, we talked to Gavin Allright, Secretary-General of the International Windship Association, about the growth in interest in a wide range of solutions that look anything but like a sailing ship of old. In fact, that's why Gavin likes to call them windships, not sailing ships. And we also heard from a Danish entrepreneur, Brian Bossarup, focused on developing a trimaran design for a vessel that can be totally wind powered. Now in this episode, I'm going to look at a Dutch company that has been formed out of the collaboration of shipyards in the northern part of the Netherlands that have got their own ship design bureau. The bureau called Conno's Ship, created a company EconoWind when one of its technical directors saw the potential in a wind design solution that would add value to the ship designs the group was trying to sell to the shipping market. Now an important part of what EconoShip has is a set of different options for what it calls a ventifoil which is a vertical airplane wing like structure. ConnoShip's Gus van der Bless was a key element of this development, but as an engineer he needs someone to bring this seed of an idea to fruition. So this is where Frank Nuenhus comes into the story of Econowind. As co-owner now of the business, he's been responsible for growing its portfolio and for getting the technology into a number of ships, either as a temporary solution to trial the idea or now as a permanent deck-mounted retrofit. Frank Neuenhaus was at this year's Green Ship Technology Conference in Copenhagen and I managed to corner him outside of the conference rooms to ask about the difficulties in getting such an idea off the ground and also how he sees wingsail sail solutions working with other technologies. But I also started by asking how he got to know about Econowind and Guus van der Bles. Yeah.
0: Well, it was because of Guus van der Bles. Um, he is the technical director of Econowind. Uh, uh, he got offered a job for one day a week at the Technical University in Delft. And Connership always, they had to compete against, uh, because they are um, the design bureau of the northern shipyards in the Netherlands, and they had to compete against the cheaper vessels being built in China and India. Because the Dutch shipyards, unfortunately, due to our salaries, are a little more expensive. And so the solution has always been, make ships that have a lower uh, op- uh, OPEX. you call it, I think. yeah. So, that are cheaper to run. And therefore, they always were interested in ships that were using less fuel. And then when Guus van de Bles was asked to become professor, of course, he then then there you ask the question, what's going to be the next step? And he says, well, um, first of all, we do research to, the really to everything in the hull shape. And then we are going to start uh, looking at the propulsion. And then, of course, as a professor, he said, well, what is the options? And then he says, well, why don't we use wind? because they use less fuel. So it was a, 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 a question at the technical university in Delft. It was studied together with Marin. Um, and then in the end, they came to the conclusion that this is going to work. And then Guus um, van der Bles, he is also a sailor. So there was this one sailing race that we have in the Netherlands every year. It's the snake wake. And um, so that's all, that thousands of boats ra- racing to, a, against each other. And then it's done by type. So he is a uh, sailor in the, in the boat called the Top. It's a small boat, six meters, wooden boat. And I sailed the same boat. So I sailed against him. And he was much faster in the same boat. So then you go to him and I say, hey, you know, apparently about sailing. And then so we have a beer. And then, then he said, yeah, we are thinking about doing this. And I was looking for a nice uh, a project. I sold my previous company. Um, and I was looking for something in the energy transition selling the company I had a little bit of capital to uh, to take a few years to uh, to invest in something and to de- develop something I'm a mechanical engineer from my um, yeah. background and who said I don't have money I don't have time we are too busy um, but we have this great idea and so we hooked up together and said uh, yeah it sounds sounds like a good project and I like to take a look at it
1: for, for anybody who's not familiar with the shipping industry, not familiar with what's going on inside the shipping industry when it comes to decarbonisation, when it comes to the issues of fuel efficiency and operational cost, etc. The one thing they will know is what a ship looks like. And when they look at a ship that's got some sort of wind assist or wind propulsion system on it, they probably would go, oh, that's totally different. Now, the difference is, of course, they don't look like sails. We're not talking about sails here. Your system is effectively a vertical um, wing. It's like an airplane wing. So how does that really work? I've got the idea that a ship's wing provides lift because it will lift the plane upwards because of the shape of the yeah, wing. That's correct. But if I put it on its side, surely the ship would just swing to the side. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so that's the thing, that it, but the thing is that it depends the direction the wind comes from. So the force in an airplane wing, the, the airplane is horizontal and the force is vertical. So now I put it up straight with the nose towards the wind. So if the wind comes from the side, then this forward, then this lifting force of an airplane wing is actually right over the nose. So that's how it works. So it depends on the wind and only when the wind comes all the way from the front, then, of course, the force is horizontal, it's, it's uh, perpendicular to the surface of the wing, so it's to the side of the ship. Then it doesn't work, then you have negative effect. So in uh, our technical solution, then we take it down, that it doesn't have a negative effect.
1: And when you attack, so the, the wind comes from the other side, the system has to attack as well. You have a system that has an element of automation, so it follows the relative wind direction, not the true wind direction, but the wind relative to the ship's position, so it can maximise the thrust that it can actually create and move forward. I know you had a system that you were trialling on um, a smaller vessel last year or 2018, and you've now got your first um, permanent system on a vessel that's just been finished, just been delivered, and I think you've got another system about to go onto a ship later this year. But there are some subtle differences yeah. here, and I know one of the systems you got is like a containerized system, so you can fold yeah. the whole wing down inside of the container. What what are the pros and cons of the different area, or different designs that you've got, and how are you selling this into an industry that really is fairly reluctant to take anything like this and stick it onto a ship because they'll see first of all cost and then they'll see risk
0: that's a good question so the basic what is always the same is the wing that's in all the versions the same so what we change is the way it is connected to the ship and that is indeed depending on the ship owner what they what they want and the first we started in a container because um, uh, that was the first idea and this is because it is really easy to put it on a ship it just takes half an hour and uh, ship owners they are used to putting containers on their ship so that indeed I, I, I think you're right that um, ship owners are a little reluctant to do new things so that was the nice thing, we put it in a container, that's what, they kno- that's what they know. If we would have asked Wiener Bayerns, can we retrofit the system, even though it would be, be free of charge as a testing device, they would have said no. But being in a container, they said, okay, well, we have a place to put the container, it's standardized, so uh, you can play with it, I hope the forces are not too big, so we had to go to Lloyd's and, and do some calculations, but principally they understood containers. Um, but then they also saw the, the limitations of a container because they have to put it off the ship all the, every time when they want to open up their hatches. Um, so indeed, they, they saw the limitations there. Um, on a the container ship, that's of course no problem. Then you get in a in the facility that has the container cranes and then it takes two minutes. But for them, it was, it was more of a hassle. And in the harbors that they came, uh, they say that the harbor wanted to take it off with their own cranes. So they had to pay for it, although their own crane could do it. So then they said, well, the container is for theirs type of ships, not the solution. So Jan van Dam he said the same thing. And then he said, I want it fixed to my ship all the time. So that's a retrofit. And then uh, uh, Boomsma shipping in uh, Snake, they said, well, what we want to do is not take it off to the shore. We want to replace it from the first hatch to the last hatch. So it's these logistical things that make the little differences.
1: The wing itself will be on some sort of runner so we, we can move backwards and forwards along the deck? No, it's it's a flat rack container. So it's, it's, a, it's only the bottom of a container, so that it has the
0: same fixation points, but it is lower than a real container and because it's lower, they can manage it with their own hatch crane. That is, and so that's the crane that is running on the side of the ship and that, that pulls up the hatches and stacks them up and as long as we stay within the limits of the stacked up uh, hatches, that's about a little under two meter so the whole system has to be under the two meter then they are able to to to, uh, play with this or to replace it on another part of the ship using the hatch crane and then they don't have to use the port crane so it's really easy.
1: So that saves them the money because they don't have to then pay for using shoreside cranes to do the operations but what percentage of time is the system actually used, and what kind of savings have they actually seen?
0: Yeah, so the container we have used on different ships, um, we actually rent them. So somebody that wants to can try the system, then that, but then that that they can do only with the container.
1: Um, and That's right. I saw you had it on the DFDS vessel okay. recently. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was on the DFDS vessel, and it was on um, AEL going to Africa. And, and you see different uh, usage. At DFDS they, they had a little bit of bad luck um, on the um, uh, on the routing. Uh, there was good wind, but the, s- the swell from the Atlantic Ocean came with, with waves of 8-9 meters, so then they didn't use it. They had some, some tracks where they uh, had headwind, uh, but they also had quite good tracks. So we did some testing for them and we saw the same amount when they were using it, the same amount of saving that we saw on Binebarns and on the other ships. Uh, always they say the percentage. Uh, that's what everybody wants to know. But that depends on the size of the ship, and the DFDS ship also was quite big. So then a relatively small unit doesn't give so much percentage. But the absolute savings were the same in, in all the ships. They go a little faster, and they save about five, six, seven, eight hundred liters per day depending on the actual wind at that moment.
1: And how do you see this kind of solution being integrated as we move towards a zero-emission vessel? Because you're a member of Zestus, yeah. um, an association where you got lots of different members, lots of different solutions, but with one overarching principle, and that is that by using all of these solutions in some form or other, collectively, some of them, uh, more than others, maybe, but the idea is that there there, there is a combination of solutions that could be put into a ship design so that it can actually have zero emissions. I mean, and here we're talking absolute zero emissions, not the use of a zero emission fuel, but by actually not having any emissions emitted out of the, the ship. There's no funnel basically, so there won't be any emissions from the ship. So, how do you see your kind of solution fitting into? that kind of picture well there's there's different ways
0: um, <coughs> there's of course drive systems that can actually do it and in the Zestus thing we are looking for ships that are uh, putting on enough wind power that they can actually uh, uh, do the full powering and of course that we know that that's possible uh, but like the ship of DFDS was 200 some meters and 10,000 10, tons you, you can't drive that with a, with a thing but uh, there's a guy here from um, uh, South Africa that, that has a, a, a 46 meter and that could run on the container full-time on, on wind. And actually, we see in Zestus, the future idea is to have the big ships and then use six to eight
1: bigger ventifoils or um, uh, the rotor sails. Sorry, the ventifoil is the name of the yeah, wing that, that you, you have. Yeah,
0: yeah or, or the rotor sails of, um, of Norsk Power to have enough wind that it is more than they need to retain uh, 10, 11 knots, and then the ship would go faster. But then you you put more and more energy into the water. But then you use your propeller to make your own hydrogen or 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 uh, your battery. Um, uh, and then when you have a, a stretch where there is less wind, then you pull down your uh, or uh, uh, empty your um,
1: uh, your batteries or or use your hydrogen that you made
0: when you were doing the sailing.
1: So you, you, you balance, basically, yeah. so you can use the, the, the battery, the electricity stored in the battery, you can create the electricity from the fuel cell using the hydrogen in the hydrogen tank, the hydrogen, of course, being created by the excess power that's created from sailing using the wind, and that sailing creates the, uh, the turn of the propeller, which then acts like a turbine rather than a propeller.
0: Exactly. So I, I indeed see that all. Th- I don't see one solution in Zestus that will do everything, unless, of course, electric ship with a, with um, uh, like a ferry, that indeed after half an hour or an hour, uh, they run out of batteries and then they can reload. But if you're talking about transatlantic shipping, it's impossible to do it on batteries uh, today. Uh, on hydrogen, you could come very far, but then you would need very big tanks, and this is where I see the combination. Everything that you take out of the wind during this voyage, you can have smaller storage of hydrogen. Because you can use it and then uh, once there is good wind, you can produce a little extra. So, so I think we will be looking at, hi- at, at hybrid systems in the future and wind is one of the hybrid parts.
1: I know in the International Windship Association, which is an association of companies that are developing wind assist or wind, full wind propulsion solutions, there's lots of different ideas that are emerging. There's the wing sails like yourselves. There's the Flettner rotors. You mentioned that a second ago, where you're using the the spinning of a Flettner rotor to create the thrust in the same manner that a spinning ball will turn. Um, And we've got these ideas of kite sails that can sort of create thrust by... I don't think they necessarily pull the vessel along, but they create a kind of thrust. And there are other kind of, um, similar to yours, but more soft-wing ideas coming out there. Do you think this is helping the shipping industry with its image? Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Because I think that in the old days you had different types of sales, but it was all cloth sales. And then you see there's other principles that works. And the general message is... Wind propulsion can work, and there's different ways that you can do it.
1: That was Frank Neun who's talking to me in Copenhagen about the opportunities he sees with Econawind, the company he now co owns, and the ventifoil wing system the company now has installed on a North European coastal vessel called the Anki, owned by Jan van Dam Shipping in the Netherlands. One of the points Frank talked about was the ability to integrate wind propulsion systems with other low or zero emission technologies, notably, of course, when building new ships. Econa Wind is a member of another association promoting clean technologies for shipping. This is Zestas, the Zero Emission Ship Technology Association. Zestas members include other companies developing a range of zero-emission solutions for onboard use. These include battery solutions, fuel cells, hydrogen systems, the systems that will help create a vessel that has absolutely zero emissions from a ship. Or to put it another way, one may be able to do away with a ship's traditional funnel. Frank mentioned that the idea behind the Econowind concept came from Goose van der Blesse who, as well as being Head of Technical Design at Connor Ships, is a lecturer at Delft University. Now last year he went to the International Maritime Organization with other Zest developers, the battery makers, the hydrogen developers and the other integration specialists with one message, that absolute zero emission vessels are possible today, it's just a case of integration and will. So I called up Goose van der to ask about the meeting and how he thinks wind hydrogen fuel cells, and the other technologies can be used to create the ultimate clean ship.
2: The question of uh, Zestas was to check if we could come up with a concept for an ocean-going, zero-emission vessel, and how did it would look like. And um, taking up that challenge, we did a short investigation, a brief investigation, how it would look like. And it was quite surprising for us that uh, if we, we applied 10 ventifoils, we call them, our uh, wind propulsive systems, 30-meter-long ventifoils, um, These are they are not they don't exist yet, but they can be uh, developed based on the 16-meter ventifoils we have now. And we used the we uh, extrapolated the results and the measurements and uh, checked it for this vessel on the North on the North Atlantic route uh, with the wind uh, climate over there, a yearly wind climate. And for that vessel sailing 11 knots, we could take 44% of the required energy on a yearly basis, 44% from wind. And that's really a quite nice figure. I, I didn't realize that uh, the wind is so nice over there and that we could come up with a concept that could take so much energy out of wind. And then we started, um, then there is additional power required for periods that there is no wind. But we also found out that um, if there's more wind than both four or five, the vessel, the, 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 the ventifoils will generate more thrust than required for the speed of 11 knots and we had a mind not to sail faster than 11 knots, that's not necessary. So, in principle, we can think of a system that may generate... the, the While the, the wind is more than five four. we can um, think of a system that the water flow will generate the propeller, so the water will make the propeller turn, the propeller will turn the shaft, the original electric motor will become a generator, and the generator will supply energy electric energy for the uh, charging the batteries. So there's quite a large battery bank in the in the concept that as we, as we, we were thinking of and um, uh, in that way it's possible to if there's more wind than 5 4 to charge your batteries with the extra energy the supply energy for sa- and keep on sailing around 11 knots. And in the situation that there is less wind than 5BO4, that stored energy is the first to be used for the electric motor to propel the propeller and give the additional thrust from the propeller to keep on sailing 11 knots. And that's a way how um, we can use the 44% of energy from the wind. And in that concept the additional uh, power can be supplied by fuel cells. We were also uh, presenting together with Netstack, the fuel cell supplier from from the Netherlands. Also, they have f- fuel cells already of 2,000 uh, kilowatt, and for this vessel we use a 2,500 kilowatt fuel cell, something that's close by. And uh, the fuel cell requires hydrogen, and then we um, investigate did an investigation of the possibilities to use hydrogen on board of an ocean-going vessel, and there is the possibility to store liquefied hydrogen, very cold, but technically feasible because there will there are, at this moment, um, Emma and Creo is developing and building, if I'm right, uh, fuel of tanks for, for liquefied hydrogen, 400 cubic meter liquefied hydrogen tanks. So that's also a technical possibility at this moment. And two of those tanks on this concept were enough for crossing the North Atlantic. In a combination of wind and periods that there is no wind, using this hydrogen, and that was quite an eye opener for a lot of people. That you don't, if you want to sail on hydrogen, it's not half of the vessel that should be filled with hydrogen. These hydrogen tanks take only two times 400 cubic meters, and that's really a limited amount of space, and could be fit in the the, the ship design as we were developing it on a quite uh, normal way. So it's it's uh, technically spoken, it's, uh, it's quite doable to integrate those systems in this design.
1: That was Goose van der Bles, the brains behind the creation of the Econowind wing system, talking about the ways some of the zero-emission technologies can be integrated to create vessels, large vessels, international vessels, which do not need to burn any carbon-based fuels and therefore produce CO2 out of their funnels. But while the question will no doubt come about costs and even cargo owner appetite they always do in shipping, the question about crew capabilities will also arise. Crews need to be trained according to a set of given requirements. They're international and unfortunately quite prescriptive. If we're to move to a new kind of ship we need to ensure that the crew education, training and competence can follow suit. When it comes to wind propulsion systems, most of the companies developing these solutions are promising high levels of automation. However, anyone working on a ship knows that the best laid plans are always the ones to produce the challenges. So I asked Frank Nierenhus of Edekano Wind how he sees training when crews need to use his systems.
0: Our systems I can can elaborate on most. Um, Our system principally is made to, to sail automatic. So they do need to know a few things, but they don't have to be sailors. Um, uh, they just—it's ha- still a machine ship with a sail auxiliary. Once you go to more sail, uh, the, the bigger you make the systems, the bigger the the, the movement of the ship is determined by this by the wind, uh, and not so much the saving. And then of course they have to understand a little bit more about wind and uh, and the way a ship reacts. So in the beginning I see that they, they will have an add-on uh, thing. We are actually working already with um, the Zeevaartschool School in uh, Enkhuizen in the Netherlands and, and they train people on for, for the toll ships. That is their speciality. Uh, so they, they really like to, to, to start a, a course for people that are on, out on the sea and that want to have uh, some better understanding of wind propulsion. If we do it ourselves, we train somebody in two days, two, three days. Uh, and we go with them on the ship and we explain them everything. And then we leave for two days. And then after, uh, after that, we come back, did you actually use it? And So, so it's a hands-on training. But there's also already in the Netherlands one uh, uh, school of sailors that is making it inside their curriculum.
1: Well, that's it for this, the second of our focuses on the growth of wind solutions in the shipping industry. Please comment, subscribe, share this podcast, as well as subscribe, comment and share the Fathom regular newsletter, The Transformation, that discusses the changing shape of the shipping and maritime sectors. Until the next time, goodbye.